It's been 30-some years since those aging air raid sirens whined their last Friday of the month test decibels across Los Angeles. The duck and cover kids who drill to civil defense alarms and alerts now have grandchildren. The nuclear catastrophe that Cold War Americans prepped for and dreaded moved into the wings and terrorist threats took center stage. Now there are intercontinental ballistic missile tests out of North Korea with swaggering threats about sending nuclear warheads to the western United States. For the director of the California Governor's Office of Emergency Services, it's one more matter to monitor and make ready for. Mark Gillarducci is an old hand at disasters and emergency prep. He's seen just about everything his native state can throw at its residents, and this one, well, join the list. There'll be no one to save with the world in a grave. Take a look around you, boy. It's bound to scare you, boy. And Your portfolio includes fires, floods, earthquakes, counterterrorism. And now, with the North Korean threat, have nuclear possibilities risen any higher in your portfolio? Well, I don't think I would characterize it as rising any higher. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, the threat of anything radiological or nuclear is in our regular portfolio, um, mostly from the context of counterterrorism and or some sort of technological accident. Um, I mean, the, I, probably the new twist is the media coverage of, of what North Korea is doing in the report that they could have a missile that could reach the West Coast. Um, you know, what we've done associated with that has been really to, you know, engage a little bit more intensively with our counterparts uh, at the federal level, with the Department of Defense and through our National Guard it's about, you know, what actually does that mean? Let's try to quantify um, the level of the threat and the probability of something like this happening. When you think back to the 50s and 60s in the Cold War, I mean, that was a, a much more extensive national campaign that that um, included things like, you know, shelters and, and um, different kinds of uh, training. We're not at that point, um, and don't, I don't necessarily perceive that we'll get there at least uh, – not in any of the intelligence and information that I've seen. But I think it, it, it is something where we need to talk about. You know, in my world, I have to think about, unfortunately, uh, worst-case scenarios, and I spend a lot of time looking at um, what, what are the impacts of something um, like that should it occur. And then, you know, we in California actually really are steps ahead of, of the rest of the country. You know, we have, first of all, a standardized uh, uh, statewide standardized emergency management system. All, all the, the local, state, federal uh, entities all collaborate and coordinate effectively within that system. Uh, that includes a very robust um, coordinated planning effort, which is what we call all risk. So, you know, whether it's the consequences of an earthquake, a fire, or a flood, or some terrorist action, um, the way we respond to these events are based around that system. Uh, but, you know, what's changed now is you, you take that and then you, you lay over the increase in population, the the, um, the kind of cascading impacts that are going to be there that are different than what occurred in the 60s. What our defense systems look like now? How does our, our warning systems work today versus back then? First we got the bomb, and that was good, cause we love peace and motherhood. Then Russia got the bomb, but that's okay, cause the balance of powers maintained that way. Who's next? 
France got the bomb, but don't you grieve, cause they're on our side, I believe. China got the bomb, but have no fears, they can't wipe us out for at least five years. Who's next? Um, a dirty bomb has emerged as a terrorist threat over the last yeah. dozen or so years. Is there material preparation ideas about a dirty bomb that can help you in your planning for the possibility of an actual nuclear attack? When I look at the probability scale of things that could occur, a dirty bomb is uh, on a higher level of probability than us getting hit by an ICBM. But even that, on the hierarchy of things, I would be more worried about planning for uh, the next earthquake than I would be worrying about a, even a dirty bomb in, in our communities. By the same token, it sounds as if a big earthquake would create some of the same problems. So is there an overlap there in your scenarios and preparation? There are some differences with regards to the, 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 the blast impacts and the radiological fallout of a missile strike versus a major earthquake. But a major earthquake is going to have massive um, infrastructure damage. You are going to have fires. Uh, you could actually have, you have some, some chemical or radiological releases depending upon where it's hitting, although most of our radiological things like at nuclear power plants and, and other places is pretty secure. It's pretty hardened. You know, when you look at the Fukushima plant in, in Japan, which was a hardened facility, of course, they got hit by a tsunami. There was something that they did not think about, gaps, which actually are the gaps that, that, um, that hurt them. Um, so, you know, that, even that event has allowed us to go back and look at all of our plans that we have, catastrophic plans for the Los Angeles Basin, um, for the San Francisco Bay Area, way up north in the Cascadia region, and then in the Central Valley. These plans are, are worst-case scenario plans, which talk about everything from uh, the total number of potential casualties to what is going to take resources to be able to, um, you know, respond. And, and in the case like a, a, a nuclear strike, you know, one of the first things that we're going to want to look at besides, you know, the, the firefighting and, and, and rescue is, is continuity of government, uh, that we can keep our government uh, running and operational uh, for, the, for, the, for the overall public safety. Last night I was dreaming, dreamed about the H-bomb. Well, the bomber went off and the high was caught. I was the only man on the ground. There was a 13 women and only one man in town. Ventura County's put together a 252-page response plan. It's got a public service message. Um, is this premature? Is it overreacting? Or is it something that could end up serving as guidelines for other counties? I mean, I wouldn't call any type of planning for a potential threat um, an overreaction or premature. I think that um, communities uh, are best served by thinking about the various sort of events that could happen and putting plans in place on the hierarchy of threats that, that Ventura County could see, you know, they have made a decision that that's some, maybe a gap that didn't exist and they wanted to put a, a, a plan in place. Um, and I would say other counties within the state, it would not be uh, something where I would say, hey, don't do that. I think that uh, all communities should be looking at their all-risk plans. And a nuclear radiological event falls within that all-risk sort of framework. Have you talked with your counterparts in Hawaii, which is in much closer range of North Korean missiles? 
Yeah. In fact, I was I did recently Oahu, particularly predominantly military, you know, heavy military base, uh, a military presence uh, that increases the the potential for being a target. I think anytime you have large U.S. you know military presence, it's always a, a challenge. I think the same thing maybe in San Diego and that whole coast from Ventura down, Point Wainimi down. Um, and you know they also were the, the subject of uh, of the attack at Pearl Harbor. They're, that still you know resonates with them. Their entire government is still orbits around the civil defense concepts where they they've been since post World War II, and that's just part of their culture. What communications can you say that you have had with the federal government about the level of the risk? And let me just say that that um, you know as the the Director of Emergency Services, you know, the sort of public safety director for California, and and the Homeland Security Advisor for for the governor. I have to be engaged with uh, with my federal counterparts, and of course, I have a very very close relationship with the Adjutant General of the National Guard here in California, General Baldwin, and the general and I meet regularly. We have met with the governor and and brief him um, pretty regularly on the updates of these things. As you know, the governor is is very um, you know. He, he, he's been engaged on this topic for some time. And is old enough to remember the original nuclear risks. And he reminds me, you know, about things in the past, which is good because he is thinking down, he's thinking way ahead. With the Department of Defense, uh, you know, I talk with NORTHCOM, our Northern Command, and there is NORAD, of course. Show me the country where the bombs have to fall. Show me the ruins of the buildings once so tall. People in California, because they've lived with it so long, tend to be pretty casual about preparing for a big quake, which is an absolute risk. But is your office getting calls, curious, panicky calls from the public about something which at this point might be a much smaller risk, that of a nuclear attack from Korea. We haven't received any panicky calls or any concern calls yet. I mean, there has been um, probably the, the greatest number of calls, quite frankly, have been from the media um, asking if other people are calling about Sorry about that. R- risk. No, I mean, it's good. I mean, it's good to, to think about and talk about. And maybe most uh, Californians hear something like that on the news and then see that report that the trajectory of uh, a missile could reach in the Chicago and may think, wow, that's something to think about. Nobody's going out and buying bomb shelters and putting them in their backyards that I know of. I mean, we are not obviously privy to all of the classified negotiations, but the the bottom line is that, you know, I, I think that we would take the, the, the cue closer to what the federal government would be doing in this particular case and, and advising us if they see that the situation is broken down. But if they did launch it and it came through, we, we would have to respond like we would on a no-notice event, like an earthquake, and, and respond to it. And a lot of the preparation of the 50s and 60s wasn't really adequate to the science of nuclear radiation. Is the science better now? I, I will tell you that, you know, we have a great resource, a part of California, the Lawrence the Livermore Nuclear Labs, and we routinely engage with them. They're on our speed dial. They're a part of our overall system. And, you know, we've got some of the best scientists that are aware of this, this kind of things. I mean, the bottom line is, is the short answer is yes, we have a much better idea on 
on on impact scenarios and plume modeling and fallout uh, of algorithms that went to down to really you know what are the number of blocks that would be impacted and how many people and you know it depends upon if it happens you know at night in the middle of the night or if it happens in the middle of the day you're going to get two two different kinds of responses or impacts if you're in southern california during a santa ana condition you're going to get a, a, a different kind of situation than if you have you know onshore winds or no winds at all so all of those things come into um into into our uh assessments uh but i will tell you that far more advanced than we were back in the 60s and being able to pinpoint, you know, what were the total impacts are going to be. And, and at OES, um, in our, our planning and prevention, our, our nuclear um, and radiological office, uh, there we're doing some tabletops here and other kind of what I call, you know, red team exercise about what, what, are, what are some of the, um, what are some of the, the impacts if it should occur and what is our consequence management going to look like? Is anything in the works about notification? And we've recently finished mapping all of the coastal communities, the inundation, should we see an earthquake and then a, a consequential tsunami. And um, we worked a lot with uh, local governments and we put in some siren systems along the coast because we want to be able to put a warning out should a tsunami be coming. The siren goes off, hey, it gives you a, a heads up, and the local governments would push out uh, messaging, we all, whether it's social media or or emergency broadcast, and certainly if there's a if there's something like a nuclear kind of thing going on, we can use the exact same system. It's it's something that'll address uh, a, a multitude of of events that we need to do. And, well, hey, look, we live in a disaster prone state. You could be hit by fire, flood, or earthquake, and you know, in the, in the worst case scenario, a nuclear attack. God forbid. Hiroshima, Nagasaki. preach y'all a sermon about old man Adam, that's me. I don't mean the Adam in the Bible, Adam. I don't mean the Adam that Mother Eve elated. I mean the thing that science liberated. The thing that Einstein says he's scared of. And when Einstein's scared, brother, you'd better be scared. Do you have a plan? Do you have a family plan? Do you have supplies? Um, all the things that we talk about for earthquake preparedness resonate with this kind of preparedness as well. Because if, if there's an ICBM coming in, the reality is that, you know, you've got 20 minutes, you know, it's like, you know, you don't know where it's going to land and what it's going to do. And, and so really, you know, you know, there's going to be some losses. You can't do, you know, I mean, the state or the locals could do nothing to stop that. You're, we're depending upon our federal counterparts in the Department of Defense to do their job. Uh, but if it does not work, then we're dealing with a consequence management situation, and you're going to have first responders that have that have been killed, and you're going to have a lot of people that have been killed and a lot of injuries. Unlike an earthquake, you have the, the, the fallout issue here uh, that, that needs to be contended with, so we need to address that with the right resources appropriately. Uh, and people need to be, you know, again, just like any other kind of disaster, family plan, supplies, know where you're at. Where is your family? Have a communications plan and, you know, just be prepared. Those people who are most prepared are most empowered to navigate a situation of, of any sort that may occur. The old school, and this is something also from, I think, the, the 60s that has changed. You know, it used to be that 
you, you sort of wait for the phone to ring. You know, the state government or the federal government would not get involved. You know, maybe the local government would say, hey, we got a problem down here, and the phone would ring, and then can't do that anymore. We are all connected. There's not a single resource that can handle or jurisdiction that can handle anything exclusively on their own. And so we all work together as one team, one fight in this whole effort. And it has to be including all of the community, including the public. They have to step up and do their their responsibility as well. Because um, I have something what I call 911 syndrome. You know, people just are used to dialing 911 and getting all these resources. And it's just not going to happen in a major event. And so they need to get past that and understand that, you know, the more empowered they are through planning and, and family exercises and communications plan, the better they'll, they'll be to navigate a situation like this. Mark Gilarducci, thank you so much. It's been so informative and helpful. Great talking to you, and, and uh, make sure you go back and check your family plan. Pat Morrison Asks is produced for the Los Angeles Times by Pat Morrison. It's engineered by Tim French and Todd G. Levin and edited by Levin. The music is Eve of Destruction by Barry McGuire and Old Man Adam by the Sons of the Pioneers, both on RCA Victor Records. Dawn of Correction by The Spokesman and Bill Haley and His Comets, 13 Women and Only One Man in Town are on the DECA label. Tom Lehrer sings Who's Next in Concert in 1965, as does Joan Baez singing There But For Fortune in Concert in 1965. I am Pat Morrison.